the same kind of thing like we did before. We'll pause for 10 seconds. One second, sorry. We'll, uh, yeah. Google, turn the music off, please. <laughs> Thank you. you Who's Google? Google? <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Do you ever swear at Google? Yeah. Oh, it's back on. Google, <laughs> please turn the music off. Hey, Google, oh, you said turn the music off. <laughs> Can I put that in the opening of the show? <laughs> so awesome. Hey, go Google. Come on. I'm talking to you, Google. I know you can hear me. This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, episode 21. We are really happy to have Rob Shrimp back with us for another interview because now he's decided to hang him up. He's retiring and moving on, and now he's got a whole lot to say about what he went through as an athlete and the lows he reached that he wasn't really willing to talk about before. So now it's time to really unpack the stuff that comes with being a high-performance, high-level hockey player. Welcome to the Empowered Athlete Podcast, created to support athletes in their pursuit of excellence and inspire others toward their best lives. Hosted by Kari Schneider, coach to top performers in sport and life, and Paul Durden, former national and professional volleyball player. It's frisky February. 12.30 challenge is going on all year and february is frisky when we made this challenge i had no idea we'd be going public with this i yeah. swear we just wanted to have our own personal growth it was it started as a conversation on the couch of how we could challenge ourselves for a month with no meat and then we thought let's go all year and eventually it grew into let's invite everybody after we had already decided what this <laughs> challenge might be so, so curry yeah, I think this is the absolute hardest challenge to talk about, and we really want to respect everyone's life situation, so here it is. Frisky February is a little love, action, nookie, shebang, shebang, getting it on, whatever you want to call it. It's sex, daily. Daily? Mm-hmm. Best month ever. Mm-hmm. But, but seriously, here's the reality. Many of us have never had healthy, open, frank discussions about sex. And therefore, it becomes that taboo topic. I definitely didn't chat about these things with my parents, that's for sure. Or your kids. I had to. Working on it. Here's what Paul and I know. If it isn't happening, then we're not even close to being really healthy and connected in our marriage. And it's a very healthy and important part of every relationship. We, we realize and acknowledge that everyone is different and in a different situation. So you could be single, could be long distance, etc. So make this challenge work for what's going on in your life have fun with it get creative keep the spark try something new and be brave this is all about love and connection if you think we've lost our marbles then you know you don't have to listen to our, our challenge this month we still love you and uh but we hope you'll consider consider what we're doing so get in the game if you're not already the 12:30 challenge you just subscribe by the link in the show notes and we're doing this all year long so february is a little crazy if you want to skip this month join us for march it's going to be great all year if you enjoy listening to this podcast you have to come check out the empowered top performers group coaching call it's my monthly coaching program where we take health and mindset topics and break them down to action steps that can then be applied to your sport, career, or life. If you want to try this coaching call out, it's the second Tuesday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern. Pop me an email and I'll get you on there. Give it a try. KS at EmpowerConditioning.com. Hello, everyone. Empowered Athlete Podcast. Paul Durden with you here again alongside Kari Schneider and we are thrilled to have Rob Shrimp back on the show and the reason for it is that we want to dive deeper into Rob's story he alluded to a few things that were happening at the end of his career the last time we chatted uh, we've chatted offline Kari's talked with him and there's so much more there that we felt we all all three of us wanted to share with you the listeners to, to help you in your journey that we just had to get Rob back on as soon as we could and I also want to congratulate Rob uh, the London Knights were named the team of the century by the CHL 
they were recognized in London over the weekend for their Memorial Cup winning team as being the team of the century. Rob, a part of that squad. Welcome back to the show and congratulations. Thanks a lot, Paul. I appreciate it. That's an incredible accomplishment, too, alongside right at the same time of you announcing your retirement. So tell us a little more about that and um, how that feels stepping into this phase of your life. Yeah, it was kind of, excuse me, yeah, a little unique timing with that Um, kind of chapter closing and at the same time kind of remembering a great part of that book. so I was I didn't get a chance to get up there unfortunately, but uh, you know the honor is still there and, and those memories will always be there and uh, that group of guys is uh, something special always be, will be special. I can just imagine the the reunions you guys will have. Yeah, that yeah, but I mean those guys were <laughs> what a crew we had. So we had some great characters and, and great personalities and really good guys. So we we always have a blast when we get back together. It seems like we never uh, you know. Never grew, grew yeah. or never grew up. I don't know. That's, that's what I was thinking. Well, you know, I was trying to go the more mature way about it, but you're going to throw me under the bus. Yeah, we're still stuck in junior. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Well, we are too. Like we're. Yeah. Who yeah. wants to grow up? No, no, we don't really. Um, but on a more serious note, you you have been a little more open about some of the things you've struggled with throughout your career. Um, including some depression, some anxiety. And we're in a day and age where so many people are dealing with these types of things in sport or outside of sport and at the same time um, need support. So what what was there for you? Yeah, you know, I kind of, it was a, it was a struggle for me. I kind of held my stuff into my, uh, into myself and never really talked about it and kind of really, my masking was definitely more, you know, taking the booze and, you know, kind of trying to drown it. So that was never positive. And, and I, in the beginning it was, it worked and you thought you were having a great time drinking. Then you wind up, you know, a few years later down the road, you realize what you're really trying to cover up. And it's uh, scary in some sense. It's, it's not the way to deal with it. You think you're happy, but you're really, you know, obviously I had some experiences when I had some alcohol and it's it, like, bad thoughts would come in and bad actions would come in um, really bad. So that's kind of scary. Um, it's just, that's not the method. <laughs> I learned that and that's kind of moving forward. So I didn't talk about it. You know, it's embarrassing and it's always makes people feel uh, really scared to speak. Um, I'm not too scared of my feelings is, I don't know. They are what they are. I can't, I didn't pick them. So I shouldn't be scared of them. And I'm not scared of them. So now I've kind of come to that term. And realization that, I mean, it doesn't make me a bad person or any less of, than anybody else. I mean, who cares? I have issues that I deal with on a daily basis. That doesn't affect anybody else, really. I mean, it does my wife. It does my kid. That, that's why I have to find a way to find a solution and, and be positive for them. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, of other people's opinions and thoughts, um, if they, unless they plan on paying my bills for me or living my life for me, then I don't really care what they have to say about my issues now. That's, I'm going to hold you up there for just one second. Cause so there's a, there's a couple of things that, that you've um, pointed to. So uh, there, so one of the, one of the things is alcohol. Another thing is, is uh, what I'm going to call this is, is FOPO. And FOPO stands for, and that's F O P O that's fear of other people's opinions. And, uh, but first off, I, I grew up in a culture of, um, small town, heavy drinking, like heavy drinking. Um, and and I'm talking, uh, and I'm going to share something personal here just to, to partner with your story here. But by the time I was in grade 10, I was at the point where I was drinking every weekend, at least twice a weekend but also, and most people know how small I am. I'm not, you know, I'm no more than 110 pounds. And I was drinking a 12 of beer in order to get drunk because my alcohol tolerance had gotten so high because I drank so frequently. Like that's a lot of beer for a wee little yeah. person, right? But that speaks to exactly yeah. what you're pointing to in that there was a lot, a lot of, 
you know, I was dealing with suicidal thoughts. I was dealing with suicide attempt. I was dealing with depression. I was dealing what I thought was the happy part of my life, which was being with my friends and partying hard. And, but what I didn't know then, and that was as a, you know, anywhere between the ages of 14 or 15 to 18, let's say. But what I didn't know then was that those were all the symptoms of needing to numb, like needing to numb the pain. Um, is, is that some of what it was like for you when you would dive into heavier drinking? Absolutely. I think always like just chased it. And then when you have booze, it's like right away you're happy and you're like, Oh, you know, if you've ever had to drink for me, it's like, I can now step outside the situation of me as a drinker and see it from what my parents have saw and what other people that are close to me have said, been trying to help me realize is like, you know, you're not having fun, dude. Like you're, you're actually not, you think you are. And like the first couple hours of me drinking is a blast and I make everybody laugh and I'm laughing. And then there comes like a really freaking dark side. That's like, I then want to somehow take my own life. It's, it's so powerful. It's like, you wake up the next morning, like what the fuck, like is wrong with you? <laughs> And then there comes more depression. Oh, I can't believe you'd go that low. You keep beating yourself up. It's like a little bit of a vicious cycle. So then you take, you know, you got to realize some of the problems. I think look deeper into yourself for one. And two is the booze is like, well, it's like, it's like you say, the beginning of the, the experience yeah. is fun because you're with people and it is fun and all that. But the alcohol itself is a depressant. So, so this, and everybody responds to alcohol a little bit differently, but after, whether it's that same night or the next day, you're still dealing with this. It brings you to such a low place. Like that's why some people who are hard, hard partiers, they're doing alcohol, but then then they're trying to get, they're trying to pick themselves up from the depressant state that alcohol um, elicits on people, and then going to do something that's more of an upper, like cocaine or who knows what you know what I mean so it, it's it's a very very you know scary place to be yeah. because then you don't really have any sort of um, connection to where your feelings are where are they coming from because now it's all messed up even further from the the alcohol or drugs or whatever it happens to be and then you're dealing with the days after because one of the things we knew you know, years ago working with high performance sports, we used to plan for when the men's national team would be drinking. If there was somebody's wedding or something like that, we'd be planning for that with their training because we knew it would cost two days of training after that event. So we'd be trying to plan recovery when we knew so-and-so's wedding was going to be there, right? Because we knew all everybody would just be a mess. And then any technical aspect would be sluggish and you know, all of that. So imagine what that's like for your psyche, never mind your, your physical body. Um, what, you know, it's easy for someone to point up from the outside and go, okay, like you're, you think you're having fun. You're not having fun. When was the time that came that you kind of realized that, holy crap, like now there's more of me not having fun with this maybe, maybe there's, maybe I need to do something or, or maybe I, maybe there's an issue or what is it? What was it for you? Was there a specific event that kind of opened your eyes? Was it more people talking to you? What was it for you that made you more aware? Yeah, no, it's more people constantly um, reminding me it's not the right, you know, you need support and it's, it's easy to get lost in um, I think to your point about alcohol and doing other drugs, it's like, if you have a depression issue and you you know, you fight your own self, you constantly pick at yourself, you constantly chirp yourself, you constantly, you know, you suck, you're the worst. Um, then you start doing that other shit and you start going down paths and making decisions. So now, not only do you start off by not liking yourself, but now your morale is off, your compass morale is off and you, you're doing things you, sh- you know, you don't like, you don't even want to do. You don't know why you're doing it. It, it all goes into a mm-hmm. whole different. That's what they say. You can take a left turn and, and it can go wrong. 
really quick. So you don't, you already don't like yourself. Then you start doing things you don't like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a vicious cycle. So, um, I think it's the point of math. Do you have masking things? Would, like I said, you can kind of, well, I, already, I just touched on it, but that's the scary part is because you, you just start doing stuff. You don't, you're like, why? Yeah. yeah. Who I'm am I? Who have I become? Like, and this isn't the real me. I don't believe me. in this. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. So that's kind of a tough path and you got to someday step off it. And I have, and I don't know, just kind of things got more clear, pick it up, get your stuff together. And then at that time it was also like, okay, well, you know, I think there's time to make changes here and walking away from hockey was one of them is mental health. Was it part of it helping me walk away, I guess, but, um, it all seems to be going better now. I'm very happy and I'm very, feel so like very balanced in my life and, kind of have more of a clear head and I, I don't have all that other distraction. That's, and those are like, it's hard to talk about cause it sounds very dramatic. And, and when you say that to other people, I, I would never tell that to anybody and ask and, and genuinely want them to feel something of that. I don't want sympathy. I don't want mm-hmm. anything. It's just like, sometimes it's like, it's hard to have that thought process in your head and you have to hold it and be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Cause if I say something to somebody, I'm opening up a door here and that's a pretty, I don't know, because what kind of way does it go? Does then that person start pampering you and be like, hey, you okay? You okay? Like, I don't want that either. I don't I don't want someone to call yeah. me. Yeah. I just kind of yeah. would just like you to know that I'm battling something right now and need a minute. But also, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know what you want out of it. It's just hard to talk about it. That's why nobody does. Yeah, do you? Well, it's... Well, I just ahead, wanted to ask, Paul. Rob, you've mentioned a couple of times that now that you've stepped away from the rink a little bit and you're getting a little more clear... Have you gotten more clarity as obviously the drinking was there to, to protect yourself, you know, to get away, to have a buffer from pain. And have you had any clarity as to what the real driver of the pain that you felt was, has it become more, have you been able to look back a bit and see, I was feeling this because of X, Y, and Z. No, excuse me. No, not really. I had, you know, the first bit of it, well, I was like, I was 12 years old. I, I don't know what happened. I actually, was, uh, yeah, I had an incident then when I, I don't know, had like a, whatever, I don't know, it wasn't anxiety. It was just like a suicide attack. I wanted, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be around. And I tried to do that. So that was fucked up. And then that's when I started, obviously I realized <laughs> that's pretty bizarre. It was really bizarre. And I don't know what it but, was. I was on top of the world and started hockey. I was one of the best players in the world at my age. Um, a lot of people watching my games and stuff, like really good parents and supportive family and a lot of love around. There's, I have no excuse. and There's nothing to throw a dart at it. There really isn't. And it's, it'll probably be hard for the parents to hear this, but that's, that's the thing, right? Like there's nothing they can do either. I hit it for a long time. The first time I ever talked about it was uh, about yeah. eight, nine months ago when I finally had those anxiety attacks and was like, freaking out and I figured you know what shit maybe this depression is playing part of it and sure enough they played a part in it um just so you're I, I'm not sure if you know this or not but um Paul's brother uh has suffered with depression for a very long time and just a couple of years ago took his life and uh so we're very very aware and very sensitive and and I've had my own suicide attempts that I've never spoken about publicly and and mine was when I was young as well not quite as young as you but um, I think it's so so important and what you're the fact that you're able to be as vulnerable as you are right now and sharing is such an incredibly courageous thing to share and it's it's um it's also shedding light on what people don't realize looks so good on the outside or everything's fine or whatever and it's it's not and the other thing i think that's so important is that i think that everybody goes through their own versions of ups and downs and valley peaks and valleys and that some people are much lower than others and some people have support systems and some people have tools and other people don't and i can't even imagine 
how you as a 12 year old with that much pressure on you could possibly have had the tools to help deal with such a broad range of feelings and issues at such a young age. Yeah, it was a lot. When it, yeah, growing up, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. I think a lot of pressure. Um, I didn't, you know, self maybe dealt. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, Would you describe yourself as an achiever? In what sense? In overall in life. In that you you want to achieve things like it feels good and you're you're usually going after something. There's something that you're going after. Yeah, definitely. That was, I don't know, but going up and yeah, achievement was just being like really good at hockey was my achievement, and I just would like work at it every day, and I kept getting really and better and, that, and better and better. So there was no like, I didn't really sit there as like an eight year old and go, oh, I'm gonna play in the NHL. I never ever even thought about the NHL until I was like 14. Then I was like got really good at hockey and people were talking about how kind of skills I had and that I had like NHL level skills at this age and blah, blah, blah. So that was, then when it came more of like, man, I can get out, I can get out and go to the NHL maybe. One, one of the things that, that I've learned, I'm, I'm a achiever through and through. And one thing, one of the things I've learned about being an achiever and most of the athletes, like I can't even think of one who's not at this point, but most of the athletes that I work with have the same type of mindset. They want to achieve. They want to keep pushing themselves. Um, but then there's this fatal flaw of achievers. And I don't even want to call it a flaw, really, but that, that fatal flaw would be that we tend to beat ourselves up a fair bit if we if anything goes wrong. So say we don't meet the goal or say we don't, um, you know, maybe it was, we disappointed ourselves or disappointed somebody else. And then we beat ourselves up so badly. And one of the things I've learned along the way, and I just want to see what your thoughts are on this and also share this with you. But one of the things along the way that I've learned is that, is that it's, it's not about, you know, um, just loving the good sides of you, like say the achiever part of you and then demonizing the parts that might be low or have anxiety or that you don't like about yourself. It's about understanding that everything has a flip side. So if you're a high achiever, you work really hard. There's always an underside to that or the other side of the hand or whatever you want to call it or shadow side. Some people call it. And and that's often the side that we're so hard on ourselves or we have low points or things like that. But learning to embrace all of that and loving all of that and seeing it that it's just a part of it and having the tools to work through the tougher times ends up being um, such a, a freeing position or a freeing way, I guess, to look at, at the harder parts of it. W what is that? How does that sit with you? Or what does that sound like to you? Yeah, I think that's um, you know, a very good statement. Um, it's, you don't get to pick and choose. I don't think what you want out of, a, yeah, like you said, it's but accepting the whole um, is important and understanding <clears throat> people as a whole is, is a big part of it. I don't think in sport people know the people. The actual no. person. I don't know. It sounds crazy. The people. No. Know the people. They, they, they know, know the the icon. Yeah. They yeah. know the they know the icon, the image. Yeah, the, that goes as far as fans, you know. and it goes as well as, as um, some <clears throat> some places where you play. I mean, they don't even know mm -hmm. what's in the locker room or what's on the field or whatever um, sport you want to insert. But um, I think that goes a long way. Understanding what people are thinking if you want to work together in any capacity, especially sport where it's about but, chemistry and team, unless you play golf or an individual sport, then it's, you know, there's also, there's, that's a different dynamic, but on a sport, I mean, you should probably know each other pretty well as, as you are on the ice or on the field doing things at a fast pace, guessing what each other are doing, or would you rather know what each other are thinking and, and talking or, or get to know each other? You know what I mean? You have to, to be able to really do that, are. you have to know, I think you have to know the people. So I think it's important. Um, but I think though that, in male sport we've said this so many times before that it's just a culture that isn't there though i mean i've spent my whole life thinking that vulnerability is weakness yeah not realizing that it's strength if i want to connect with anyone and have a real relationship with anyone i have to be vulnerable for that to happen but in my mind and on a team or around the guys 
I got to be a guy. I, you know, I, I, can't, yeah. I can't say I'm, I'm nervous. I can't say I'm anxious or I'm depressed or have bad thoughts. I mean, there's just, you have the feeling that there's no place for it. But when the reality is, if one guy was able to say it and had the guts to say it, that the other people, you know, if they could take take off that mask, you know, I just think it's Lewis, a, Lewis I, I House think it's here, a, they, they'd be able to share it. But because yeah. everybody's feeling it, everyone's feeling yeah. it, but everyone is scared shitless to show it. Yeah, I think it's I think it goes back to the character that's in the room or wherever sport I see yeah. in the room because I'm a hockey guy. But if I, Paul, if you came to me, told me that you were anxious or depressed, my feeling would, I would be like, Hey, like, what do you need, buddy? Or what, you all right? If you, if yeah, you came to yeah. me and I was immediately like this fucking pigeon or this pansy or whatever, yeah. then you got to, you should question the character that's in the room. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's who you are. But, but here's the thing for those, those people who are, are immediately, um, cutting somebody else down if they made a share like that those are the people that are the most insecure those are the people who are struggling the most it's you know i've seen this over and over the person who's going to attack somebody else they're attacking because they're so insecure themselves you know and and that's just that's how it goes but the person who's going to automatically help it's because they really care it's because they are concerned about the other person because they can see themselves in that person. They understand what they're going through, you know? So, you know, you've, you've had a few struggles here and there. Have, are you starting to feel or learn some of the tools that really help you? Like you've mentioned CBD oil before you've mentioned, what are some of the tools that are serving you really well at this point? Um, let's, just obviously not playing and not training to be an athlete to take time and think think things through and and slow down really that's it i haven't done anything else much more than i said cbd i took start taking cbd oil and that gave me like a lot of balance because i was like the anxious stuff was killing like i would wait all day for those things to come so i would be sitting there waiting mm-hmm. like oh shit is this gonna trigger me is that, oh can i have a coffee i'm like that nope that's a trigger oh that was like all over the place I couldn't have candy because i had candy i'd start getting like it was so bizarre so it, it really put a dent and, and the funny thing is in the middle of all that i went out and played like really good hockey <laughs> i mean mm-hmm. it's not you know this yep. is what probably people are like oh he's such a hockey fuck but i don't even care I, but it, but it's your it's your thing it's yeah. your you know that's your it's your outlet in some ways. Like for instance, as a coach and having worked with you and knowing you somewhat, if I were to advise and knowing myself in terms of what I've dealt with, with depression or, or what Paul's dealt with, with depression, I would, I'd give you a list and go, okay, Rob, every single day, you need to tick off these five things guaranteed. Like, for instance, you get up at almost the same time every day. You have physical activity every single day, almost right off the hop. You're eating these specific foods that include fish oil, avocados. Like there's, there are key things that will help your brain um, function its best. You use some things like um, med- meditation and you use your CBD oil, or for some people it's essential oils. You make sure you're out in sunlight and make, and make sure you're interacting with other people. So like, like lists like that and, and ticking them off. And when you look at it and you go, oh my gosh, I'm feeling low. And then you look at your, your thing, your list of what you know you need to do in order to feel your best. And maybe there's like only two of them are happening and then you're like, okay, wait, I've got to like come back to what I know is going to serve my best mental health. And it always will come back to those things. We know now with research that they did a, this study, they called it the smile study and eating good foods, healthy foods, like lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of healthy fats, like nuts and avocados and things like that. They overhauled people's diets that had a greater beneficial effect on depression than antidepressants did. That's interesting. Yeah, it's very. So between between that and exercise, those two things make a massive difference. The things that are gonna, you know, put a nosedive in it are gonna be things like 
alcohol will for sure like i've i've i paul will tell you i barely ever drink like i barely ever drink and it's because of what i know about my past and you know where just i've i've learned more about myself right yeah. it's that same same kind of thing um but it's yeah if, as a coach if i were to give a list it would be things like i mentioned that will make a massive difference but well, we yeah that's the thing i think more of anything i, I never um felt that uh structure right steve ludzik was really good for me in that sense and guided me and helped me and structure me um so a lot of times it felt like I was always kind of like defending myself and some bit my like personality and, and that was always like a factor in everywhere I went. It was always like I had to like defend my personality as not being this arrogant, cocky fuck up. In the middle of it, I just wanted to go but, play hockey and like, yeah, sometimes I'm going to get drunk and, and I did. I go with the team. I'm always a team guy. And you can ask anybody that. I always, but that's where we going, boys. It's the boys. It's not like I was sitting in a bar smashing drinks yeah. and like ah fuck my life it was never like that it would be you know with the boys and um somehow that kind of gave me a bad red flag and everybody i was so I, and to, like i said on top of all this shit i'm already battling and then i'm like battling like i went to teams before Connie, and they literally like the first weekend the guys on the team's like oh you're not a bad guy or, you're not an asshole you're just you're just sarcastic and i'm like you know what i mean like who said i was an asshole and the more you the more you hear that, the more the chip on your shoulder keeps developing. Well, yeah, you back because... me into a corner. I don't know what you want me to do when people are saying things like this. Like, what am I supposed to I don't know. It makes you feel really like, whoa. I don't know. I don't do it. You've met me, Kari. I am who I am. And I come in and I'm like, whatever. Like, I, I know I got, like I said, like, sometimes I'm loud and obnoxious because I have my own issues. I make, I'm trying to make myself and everybody else laugh around me because it's like, this is way more fun than I want to drive my car to a fucking wall, you know? Yeah. And, and the, the thing that comes from that too, is that the more people attack, the more you feel like you have to defend, but who you become, who you become when you're defending, isn't the real you. Well, that's and, the most vicious you're going to get me. I'm not even a vicious person. So it's, it's kind of weird. But when you get back into a corner, everybody fights. You're talking about yeah, you. that's right. Yeah. You don't back off. Well, you do. Yeah. You're going to like for no reason. Okay. If I throw the first stone, then I'm asking, but if I'm just standing here, you throw a stone at me, what do you want me to do? I don't know. It makes me feel like, I don't know. I'm going to bark back or I don't know how I react. I do. I react differently, but it's, it's always like, it felt like a long time. It felt like back into a corner. Like I had to like defend my honor in some sense of like, I don't know where it went that way, but that, it definitely did. <laughs> it went in the NHL draft. It carried with me my whole career. Everywhere I went, I was like, nope, here comes the shithead. Like, what the fuck? I didn't well, really. It's. it's it's an identity that was labeled onto you that was it was like an unwilling identity that you took with you well, and, and the, pro the problem with it is that if, if somebody hears it they're going to impose it on you when they meet you right because Absolutely. yeah if, well that's what you're experiencing you know, yeah you're gonna however you think about somebody you're gonna see it and it's yeah. gonna come out you're gonna misinterpret something they say because you're thinking they're an ass yeah. Whereas if you think somebody's a saint, you won't misinterpret that same statement. You'll take it a completely different way and think, oh, that's so nice. And it's what people are looking for in you that they don't even realize they're looking for. And it's that's a huge issue with the media and the way they portray people. And Paul, they did that you, hear, you, hear, you, hear, you hear one side of something and then those people, people think they have the right to take that comment or that statement or that half of an interview imply this broad brush to who a person is without actually knowing them or hearing their side. And it's just really unfortunate. It, it, it taints everything, right? Yeah. Well, it, it's a, it's a unique, everything you're describing, it's it, what it is, is, is our brains. Our brains are highly, highly um, aware of so many things that if we didn't filter things out, we would be, you know, overwhelmed with everything and headaches all the time. So we're filtering things constantly from what we see to what we hear to what we expose ourselves to. So the example is that if, if I just bought a red car, a red Toyota, let's say, I just bought a red Toyota and then I go out on the streets, guess what I start to see? A whole bunch of red Toyotas, right? I'm seeing what now I be I've become more aware of. So if one person suggests 
that Rob Shrimp's personality is this, label whatever it is, then that one suggestion, if they've heard that once, now when they go and meet you for the first time, they're looking at you through the filter that says, oh, Rob Shrimp is this. So they're looking for that thing instead of looking for, oh, I heard he was this, this, or this. They're looking for that one thing. And if it was a negative thing, that's what they're seeing first. And that's what you've been living with from the beginning of your career. Because you started as, as you became so high profile at such a young age that your reputation started when you were younger than most athletes have that experience. Most guys... Before you can spell in, reputation, you know? <laughs> yeah, like most guys in professional sport have their reputation set when they've already been more established in their career. Yeah. But for you, you know, you get this reputation set at a time that, you know, it's just, it's too, it's too early, it's too young. And then people are looking at you in a certain way that isn't, isn't who you really are. It happened, I, it's very and, specific when it happened, sorry, which is the funny thing. And kind of ironic because it was, I was 14 years old and the guy from, it was a, called the Redline Report. Um, it was a big article that went around to all the scouts and everybody who's who in that time, obviously before the uh, internet wave. And he wrote an article that said, the disruption, the highly skilled, blah, 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 and all this nice stuff. And he's like, he's the problem that he's got an attitude problem and he's a coach killer. And uh, you'll have, if, beware for any coaches, essentially is what he said. And at that time, I was 14 years old. I played for John Walsh, who is still a very, very close family friend. And I promise you, I didn't get him fired. So I, um, that would, I never got to set the, my dad saw that guy at World Juniors, like two years down the road, I went and tried out um, for the World Juniors. And that guy was there, my agent at the time, and my dad confronted him. Because that was like, my dad was really mad. And obviously, why wouldn't he be? I would have been fucking pissed if I was him. And they caught him and they said, why, why did you write that? And they tried to corner him. He wouldn't talk to my dad or, or my agent. And then he said, finally, walking away, he goes, what do you want me to tell you? It's, it sells papers. <laughs> exactly. Oh, and, uh, oh my yeah. gosh. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. So that's, then I, I guess what? Like the, next, year old the next kid. article that came out, guess what was at the end of it? Something about my attitude problem. Then I went to London and Miss Saga. Every single time someone wrote an article about me, there always be some shit in there about my attitude. Because what are you talking about? Yeah. I, I mean, anything you want to hear about my life story, go. I'll tell the story, and you can tell me if you would have changed and made a different decision. And then you know what? I'll if I'm totally wrong and such a bad shithead of a kid, then I I don't know what to do. But um, I don't think I've made. Yeah. I've reflected on a lot of. I've, I've yes. Okay. I'm not. Saying I'm the perfect king. I make some stupid mistakes and I've, I've acknowledged them and apologized if I was to an extreme of any sense, but it was never hurtful. I never hurt anybody, but like, yes, I've made mistakes, but most of the time, like these things say my attitude, I don't, I never really understood it. I got benched in the most biggest uh, year of my life, draft year, and I didn't say a word to the coach. I didn't say a peep to him. Yeah. I didn't say one word to him. Not, Fuck you, not you piece of shit, not you. I should be playing. I sat there like a uh, humbled person that was getting, you know, a toddler lesson. And yeah, I, that wanted your next chance. So whatever. And then somehow that didn't cover up that whole, well, he, you know, then it turned into, well, he must have got benched because he's a bad kid. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, me, yeah, man. yeah. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. And then it just gets going yeah. worse and worse. I'm shit. Okay. Because that's, because that's what people are looking for overall. Yeah. You, you now are, you know, you're settled with Marta. You have your little one who I'm sure is a handful at this oh, yeah. age. Um, do you, are you in the practice yet? Because this is such a powerful practice of looking for, looking for the joy in your life. It works the exact same way. The thing that I just described about the red Toyota, the same thing is true for when we look for, the things that we're grateful for. So for instance, I know that that's been something that's worked for me and worked for Paul as well. If we start writing down at the end of the day, okay, what, what was, what joy did I find this day? That's what am I grateful for now. in this day? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we, do. we start our day now. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, we I do. didn't even realize, I mean, I don't realize I'm doing it, but it's now thinking of it over the last few months, I spent a lot of days waking up and just being like, this is such a good life. So it's, it started out that, and then I go about my day with that kind of first thought, which is, I mean, it's been so beneficial and I've had a few bad days here and there, but 
they're really far, few and far between. If that's the right expression there. One in Rome, but uh, you know, my wife's noticed a big difference, and and I don't know. It's just yeah. When you asked about earlier about walking away from hockey, I don't know if that was the right question, but it, it was such a relief. I'm happy now. I like, think I don't have to have that cloud. Really, I'm so sick of that fucking cloud. That's why I walked away from the game. I'm just sick of it. I don't know why I have to keep defending myself. I feel like that though. I really do. I have, like all these situations. You don't. And it's like, even like I don't, I don't. I already mentioned this. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it happened last season. I ended up coming out. My mental health was a, a reason. One of the reasons why. Um, my it didn't extend. So um, that that was the last kick in the nuts, and I'm like, that's enough. <laughs> I can't. No thanks, man. Like, come on. I don't get. It. I didn't do anything wrong. Whatever. I yeah. Don't care. I'll go do something. Do else. you? Uh... I, have, I have other. That's the thing. I think what people would with also with mental health is when you're trapped by your situation, that's the problem. And that was a huge problem for me. I always felt like I, I was just uneducated and um, just a hockey player. And that's what my life was. So that's kind of what I, how I positioned myself. So I, try, you know, even when things were catastrophic to me, in some sense, I just kind of let them go under the carpet because I felt like I, I can't let this thing go. I have to stay in this game. And that, that drove me nuts. Now that I feel yeah. like I don't, that has no power in, in any sense to me anymore. I don't care. I don't care. Um, about pro hockey anymore so i feel at this moment i can just feel relief and i don't i don't know nobody's pulling i don't have to defend i go in a different way and the people that i meet in my new life they, they've gotten to know me and they um I, we like each other's company we have a great company going and we're making lots of new friends and everything's great i don't know it seems like that's so much more positive yeah it's not fighting 10 it's years not about of, being or 14 15 years of you're a shithead, you're a shithead, you're a shithead. I don't know. That's nice to not have. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. You're, it's about, you know, meeting someone new and you're not the hockey player to them. You're just like Rob, this awesome guy down the street or Rob, this guy that we, you know, play golf with or Rob, the guy that we hang out at the barbecue or whatever, which is such an amazing thing because people appreciate you for who you are instead of as a commodity, which is what a pro athlete is. Yeah, exactly. And if you treat it, you're very much treated that way and people can say what they want, but I mean, I played 14 years in pro. I can see the commodity side of it and how it feels to be, you know, in that sense, treated like an absolute commodity, especially when you have something as if I, like what I deal with as far as depression, that's actually lingering inside of me. And these people are still treating a certain way. Like you're a piece of shit. Um, it doesn't help your cause and it doesn't, I mean, it makes you feel real uneasy. Like, doesn't feel like your feet are ever on the ground flat. You're just always on balance. So it's it's uh it's really hard to cope and find out. And that's when you, like I said, you start going into those other mechanisms. And you know, I got to own up that I did it. There's time. Yeah, I, every time I grab a beer, it's my decision. Um, yeah. Now that I'm more a little more clear it's... in realization of what I've done to me, I kind of like have to look at the situation. Like, okay, is this something you really want to do? Do you want to have drinks tonight? Do you want to feel what you're going to feel tomorrow? And if that experience that yeah. night is not is not in that category, then I, I just have to walk away from it, and that's, or I just do the yeah. dumb thing and go back into stupid decisions, and that's what you have to do. You have to grow up and make the great decisions, and that's what I'm, you know, kind of, I guess maybe taking along the most as you referred to earlier. <laughs> but, oh, but, and you've made... but the, uh, it's all good though. Know, but the I'm thing is, saying. is that now, now it's you have the power back because you decide. It's a different thing when you are behaving or making decisions that you feel like aren't your own but when you you have the power when you decide when you take control back and you decide that this is what your life is going to be that's very powerful and so liberating and so much happier than feeling like you're controlled so it's it's a whole another ball game yeah I, I, yeah that's a so exactly. what are you what are you loving like if you had to list a few things that you're loving about your life right now like is it is it being in in florida the palm trees is it your baby like what are the things that are your favorite things right now absolutely yeah the, the stella is the highlight of everything so obviously getting to spend every single morning with her and, and uh every day with her really um it's so cool uh it's such a great a different level of emotion you don't even realize you have it um it really helps with the darker stuff as well to shine light in your life and have something really to pull for appreciation wise. And, and I don't have to beat myself up about her at all. I did everything I needed to do. And it was, she came out as a really happy, healthy baby. So um, that's like an accomplishment that I will never have to defend or, you know, feel like I did with hockey. So that's something that gives me great 
happiness every single day and there's it's just going to be internal happiness until i'm around so um that's something that gives me joy um also working with beta the company that i'm working with we, we are helping people every day um whether it's surgical patients people with arthritis uh the testimonies that get to come back they're all positive and they're all happy and they're saying how much we've helped them and so many thanks and just that's gratifying to be able to be involved in something that's uh, as powerful as that and as positive um, makes me happy makes me feel like i said not just a hockey player um i can do other things in life even though i'm not uh you know don't have a master's degree or college educated if you, if you really want to do something you can you can do it and people that feel like they're stuck in their situation or their sport they need to realize that there's like a lot of great people outside of sport that are still good people and you can have good time with and also you can do business with you can whatever it is you want out of life you can do it's not the sport doesn't own anybody yeah 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 it's incredible Be, becoming a dad i'm sure like as soon as you become a parent you you never knew how much you could really love you know yeah it, it's a whole nother it's a whole nother realm of of feeling than you've ever felt in your life yeah it really is when she came out i, I, I cried i was so enjoyed it was amazing it was uh, a wonderful experience and then watch her crawl around now nine months later it's an adult i mean it's still as much joy as it was when she came out so like i said that happiness is just so guaranteed every day so it's nice to have yeah and kids I, and, and dogs and and I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something that's really important rob that i'm learning is that you feel that unconditional overwhelming incredible love for your your wife for your for your baby but you've got to feel that for yourself too it's yeah. you have to to be the best dad you ever want to be for me to be the best husband I ever want to be at the end of the day i've got to love who i am i've got to love myself legitimately and not and shut that voice up in my head that's been tearing me down for years you know and it's it's a really important step too to have use all those external things that we love so much as motivators to be better for ourselves and it really starts with loving who we are like kari alluded to before the good and the bad you know we no, no, no one is perfect no one's even close and it's just recognizing the dark sides that we have and being okay what can i learn from this hey there's that dark side showing up why and just having that that feeling towards life of just keep loving yourself loving it around you and, and good things will happen and i've just always felt from you i mean i've haven't spent a lot of time with you in the gym kari spent way more but you're always true to that you say what you're feeling you're honest and, and i love guys like you and uh, if i had more teammates like you around when i was playing i'd probably be a hell of a lot better at communicating what i'm actually feeling but uh it's coming <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i think it was empowering for me for also for my it, it never was easy and i was kind of i never spoke about depression i just had to, I had to shut up and then it's like show it saying a lot and bury it bury it bury it and then when someone else started speaking for me really pissed me off and then i was like you know what i'm so tired of everybody else talking for me i'll just tell you i don't give a shit. like i said i don't care i'm not embarrassed like i'm not embarrassed I, what do you want me to tell you if anything it's like i don't want your sympathy either that's the other thing i don't want yeah. i hate i don't i don't want it's not that's not the point it's just kind of like I understand now that since I talk about it, I've seen the positive wave of people like, oh my God, I'm glad you said that. That, like I said, it goes back to the beta. I got to a company that their idea is to change the world in a positive way. Now with this mental health stuff, I, I just wanted to say that and let people know where, I mean, it wasn't easy for me. Yeah. Um, maybe there's ways I acted in a certain way. People thought I'm a joke or a clown. I, I was, it sucks that that's the way it is, but that, I mean, for me, it was a mechanism in a, in a way of like trying to entertain myself. So I, I kind of want to clear that air. I'm not just a clown and an idiot. Uh, you know, that was to benefit myself in some way and, and make myself not want to <laughs> think bad things. Yeah. But um, also, yeah, just doing positive things like that. I don't know. It's just important to me. It's really important to me. Yeah. Well, we uh, we so appreciate your openness and honesty because this is so valuable. It's so good for other people to understand that, like, it's it's not all, you know, medals and roses when it comes to high performance sport. And and uh, you know, your story makes such a huge difference for people, and we're super grateful for that. Is there anything else that you want people to know before we wrap up? And uh, on on this such important issue 
Um, you know, I think I touched on it already. I don't think the sport owns you or anything owns you. And it doesn't matter. We can talk about sport because we're in sport. I'm not in it. We were in sport. Um, it, this goes for everybody. Nothing owns you in any situation, whether it's business office, whether it's sport, it's anything. I don't think you should be trapped by anything. When you start feeling trapped and you're a depressed person, it's a bad thing because you can do it elsewhere. And that's where the bad thing's going to So I think don't ever feel trapped. Is a huge, it's hard. I know it's kind of cliche to say, but... That for me, I don't feel trapped anymore and it gave me a huge relief. That's my story. I'm not a psychologist and I'm not a doctor, but for me, that's my story. I kind of, I just don't feel trapped anymore. So I feel like I'm not suffocated and I don't have to fight and like defend myself to people. I just get to wake up every day and be with the people I love and surround myself with friends that I love and uh, my days have been going great. So yeah, I take the cut. I mean, I'm not making money anymore. Unfortunately with hockey, that's, you know, you got to worry. There's that too. It's, Financially, it was, you know, hard. It, that was money. That was easy. It's something I've done my whole life. I could have easily done hockey again. Yeah. So it was a sacrifice to walk away from that. But you have to be willing. I mean, in some sense, to do that, to, to take some risk to change your avenue. Otherwise, you just keep chasing the tail. And that's yeah. where you, you wind up 50 years old and being like, what the hell did I do? Yeah. And I got at 32, and I said, no, oh, that baby's good enough for me, reason for me to, to make myself happy. And I can't. And that's enough for this. So that's my story. Like I said, I'm not a psychologist. I can't give you exactly the route, but that's how I'm dealing with it. And I want to talk about it. If someone else makes them talk about it and helps them, then that's when I've done my job. And I feel I feel gratified by that. Um, so that's cool. Well, you can you can certainly feel amazing from what you shared because I know that it's going to make a difference for a lot of people. Because you've you've you know, so many people have looked up for you to you for what you've done in your sport and uh and this is is so much bigger in terms of how you can help people so congratulations on on retiring congratulations on stepping into just whatever you want to create your life to be and your new business and uh and we're we're just grateful to know you and and uh and really thank you for for sharing so much i appreciate it thanks for uh, having me on guys it, it helps a lot to talk and have support like you guys so um, it's easy for me to have this conversation with you guys today. I, I feel your sincerity and uh, support. So um, thank you for that. And also being great friends. And um, thank you for all the training, Kyrie and Paul. <laughs> I tried to get shit. <laughs> <laughs> you did great. You're all good. You're all good. Well, it's too bad you weren't here this weekend, but next time you're in town or if we head down to Florida, we'll, uh, we'll see you in person. Okay. Sounds awesome, thank guys. Thank you so much. No Thanks problem. so much, Rob. Take care. See you guys. Thank you so much for listening. To get more support in living your best life, find us in our free Facebook community, Empowered Top Performers. We're on Instagram at Paul Durden and at Empower Conditioning. Please share this podcast and rate us. A five-star review would mean the world to us. That is how we connect with and support more people to excel in sport and life. Take what you learned today and try it. Progress is perfection. 